sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. What's up, everybody? Welcome to uh, another fantastic episode of the Beer Engine podcast. Uh, this is uh, your uh, official intro uh, agent, Griff, um, bringing you into this in a safe and healthy manner. Uh, I have sanitized the room. I have uh, Clorox wiped the computer. All of the uh, machinery has been um, uh, fully uh, disinfected, and I feel safe uh, bringing Tony into this environment. Uh, Tony, uh, how are you? Please, please step through the uh, the uh, bulletproof glass. <laughs> I, I I shall just give me twenty seconds so I can wash my hands so I'll make sure I'm safe even in this virtual environment. But I liked your intro. <laughs> that was one of the best descriptions, other than using podcast host, I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I I just mainly think about introducing the podcast, and after that. Uh, it's another, you know, 45 minutes of just sort of mumbling and sort of half listening. So uh, at this point, my job's pretty much done. Your um, 80% of my energy has been expended. Um, the rest of this is just be going, oh, yeah, you know, that's pretty much it. We are living in a crazy world as we speak, whether this podcast gets released and we're still living in a crazy world. I don't know. Depends how motivated I get to actually release this sucker. We've just recently had a... Um, Oh, you were discussing how you've had a holiday cancelled. I was just wondering whether you could run us through your lowlights from all your travels in the world, rather than your highlights. Your highlights are easy to come by. What are like? Oh, what are my worst travels I've done? Yeah, uh, you know, I gotta say, um, most of my travels abroad have been very pleasant. Um, I've I've enjoyed pretty much everywhere I've gone that's outside of the U.S. <clears throat> but right now, you gotta say. Uh, I think the U.S. is, uh, well, right now we're struggling in general, but some of these places that I've had to go to for work have been less than ideal. i got to throw out, um, and no offense to any uh, people who, who might live there, um, certainly Chicago is not the most pleasant place to travel to in December either, but Wichita in December is probably um, the all-time low light of my, uh, of my uh, either business or personal travel. Uh, mainly because uh, it was the windiest place I've ever been. There's nothing to break the wind. There aren't buildings. There's not hills. Um, it is just blowing e- extreme wind in December, cold wind directly in your face. And uh, it's it's hard to find a – now, we, I found them eventually. I did find a good brewery, a good bar, restaurant, and a good coffee place. But you gotta you got to do some digging if you're going to find them. But, uh, yeah, I think Wichita – December, probably the all-time low light for me in terms of travel. Uh, Tony, what what about you? Did you have you had a have you had a particularly annoying place you've had to go or a bad place you've had to go? Bad place, I would say. Again, it's not outside of our home countries. In my case, it happens to be Australia, and it's a town called Queenbeyan. And this this is going back some years. In fact, it's going back thirty two years. But this is how vivid oh it gosh. is in my memory. So it was um, when the Olympics were taking place in Seoul in 1988, we went on a road trip where we saw um, Canberra, the Australian capital, and went to a bunch of other places, stayed at some really nice places on that that two-week journey. But Queenbeyan, we stayed in a 
what we would call a caravan park with on-site vans. I think you guys would call it a trailer park. Trailer park, sure. Yeah. And what you should know about Canberra and Queanbeyan, which Queanbeyan is a suburb of Canberra, but not actually in the ACT, it's in New South Wales, um, is it's a very cold place for Australia, especially in the middle of winter. And these on-site vans were, even for the time, fucking hovels. They were fibro sheds, basically. So we were getting down to minus 5 degrees Celsius. Not cold for you Chicagoans, but for an Australian, that is... cold. That is very cold. That's that's in Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's true, but still probably what... 20-some degrees, I mean. And it should be known there's nothing actually to do in Queanbeyan. It is a suburb of Canberra, but there's basically nothing to do there. All it's there to do is house public servants and that's it. And that one sticks in my mind. Like, even in 2020, there's nothing to do in Queanbeyan. If you have a bad if you have a bad trip when you're... But I will say this, when you have a bad trip when you're... Wait, were you probably five? Eight, but yeah, close. Eight. Um... It sticks with you. I got to say, uh, stuff like that is, is permanently lodged in your memory. There's all kinds of foods I thought I hated uh, when I was eight that I thought I hated when I was 28 <laughs> or, 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 or older. And it's not true, right? But maybe if you went back there, you might find something else you like doing. I think alcohol definitely improves almost every place. Um, even with Wichita, I managed to force force myself into a decent enough time just by checking out a a cool brewery and, and drinking. But uh, when you're eight and you're in a place where there's nothing to do and it's cold, I mean, what do you do? What do you, you know, it's not like you're going to, well, you know what, I'm going to go get a vodka soda or something. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So kind of stuck. Um, well, Tony, I'm drinking beer. Uh, just so you know, um, I do want to throw that out. Nice. Uh, I know. I, this is crazy, but I'm having a uh, – a terror dome by a brewery called, uh, I believe they prefer to be pronounced uh, Saint Saint Errant, um, but it looks like Saint Errant, and um, I may I may be pronouncing both of those wrong. They might jump on. I'm sure they're listening. Uh, jump down my throat for their bad pronunciation. So sorry, guys. Um, but your beer is nice. It's a nice hazy IPA. So shout out for that, uh, Tony. What have you, what have you been drinking lately? Here, are you you got any soda there? Or anything or I do have a a seltzer water with me right now, but I have been drinking, um, oh, what is it? The, um, oh, Rodenback Classic, not the Grand Cru, the Classic. Oh, yeah. In the small cans. Nice. They're delicious. They're not ha- hard to come by here. So oh, The cans are great. Uh, it should be, it's summer for you. You should be looking for that free test or whatever that is. I think that's a Rodenbach beer. That stuff's crazy good. Well, we I can't get that at least at my local what you guys would call binnies. We would call it like Dan Murphy's would be our brand name for our big box liquor store. Um, But that's about as fancy as the international beers come for us. Pretty good though. That's a great beer. Yep. But the um, sour section has gone from like one beer sort of three years ago to now. Now maybe got a selection of eight to ten different beers that I can try at any one time. Often they're the same ones, some that I've that I like, some others that I pass, but it is showing a slight change in Australian brew taste. Hazy IPAs, again, not huge numbers at that particular store. If I search them out um, by mail order from local breweries or go to a mail order 
alcohol shop, I can broaden up my selection, but certainly don't have the opportunity like you do to sample um, different beers. You say hazy IPA, anything crazy about it, or it's just a good example, solid example? What are we talking? Just a great example. Um, I uh, am not even going to try to officially break down um, the hop profile on this. St. Errant, St. Errant, whatever they prefer, um, is a, uh, a good hazy IP brewer. They don't have a brewery. This was brewed off-site. They're a gypsy a little bit. Uh, Hot Butcher is similar. Oh, this one has Citra, Motuika, and Waimea. That's your, that's your hops in here. So two New Zealand hops. Yep, it's two New Zealand plus Citra, yep. It's uh, a lot of those Southern Hemisphere hops have been making their way into these beers and, and uh, those ones in particular people like because I think they result in a sweeter, somewhat sweeter profile. But I like the mosaic ones and a lot of people don't, but you can hit me with those mosaic ones all day, a little more grassy. Mosaic's a, a divisive hop when you you think about it, sort of the most divisive of as the new ones. Like Nelson Savon five years ago was sort of in that same category, yeah. just trying to think. The grape the grape taste, yeah. Yeah, but um, what was the other one that was really divisive that was Cat P and it started? Simcoe. Simcoe, yeah. That that was divisive back in the day. Pe- yep. People either loved it or hated it. And especially the way it was used going back sort of eight to ten years, some people could really overdo it. But but done well. It's a very useful hop. It's very delicious, yeah. So, yeah, we're... Um we're, we're, we're riding high on hazy IPA. It's pretty much what I'm leaving my house for. Um, if I'm willing to do it is restock on uh, lager and a restock on IPA. And I never thought I would get to this point in my life where the only reason I leave my house is to buy hazy IPA. But here we are because a new one comes out every couple of days, pretty much. So I'm, I'm hunting for that fresh, those freshies. We got a new one dropping tomorrow from a newer brewery called Foreign Exchange. I'm going to be out there hunting that down. We just got a huge lager that uh, a uh, not huge lager a very a lager that I'm very much liking a Polish style pilsner um, from a local brewery that I've been cranking down. Those are delicious. Um, so despite despite uh, the isolation period, I have managed to muster up the strength and the energy to uh, keep drinking. So come on, pat me on the back for that. How about it, huh? All right, gang, that's nice. He's still drinking. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Do you think lager, lager's not really a style, but do you think clean, Pilsner-esque, because this is what you're talking about, isn't it, when you say Polish style lager, are underrated still? I know we've had sort of a resurgence, but to me they're still perhaps the most underrated style of all because they're so crushable. Yeah, they're certainly underrated because... Um, not to get into this, I've already probably done this on this podcast, but I definitely did it on our last one. Oh, sure, but who who listened to that nonsense? Yeah, nobody. Uh, well, the brewers from St. Around, of course, did. But uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, the rating of the the actual rating the beer actually is what is is really what bugs me because um, people are enjoying pilsner more i think or or whether it be um you know the newly popular italian style pilsner i don't know if you've seen that start making its way around i have not um those are good uh they're like a they're like a zippier czech pills um 
like even lighter bodied and even sort of brighter hops. They're really good though. Uh, the uh, Polish pills, the Czech, German, you know, we're getting them all, got them, got them flying off the shelves. But people still rate it like they're comparing it to, um, and I don't know how you can make this comparison, but they're comparing it to, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Assassin or, or, or Bourbon, Bourbon County Stout proprietors or whatever. Uh, that doesn't make sense. You, you can't compare that. It doesn't make those two beers. Can't be like, well, I don't like this as much as prop. And I'm like, okay, well, but you can get 30 of these and you get one ounce of prop and it's, it's the, the, the profile of the beer is it has. So, so first of all, it tastes totally different, but it has totally different intentions, you know, uh, it has nothing to do with each other. So people still rate it that way though. They give the Pilsner like, Oh, you know, this is good for a Pilsner 2.75. And, uh, uh, then they blast away on prop as if it's the greatest beer ever, which I do like that beer, but um, no, yeah, they're, we're rating stuff all wrong. It drives me insane. Um, I'm glad lager is back in, in vogue because I like drinking it and I like the versions that these new breweries are popping out. This is a question that I'm throwing out there because I, I, I really don't know the answer to, but do you think the rating problems is more a problem within the beer culture or the wider community at large, are, are people misguided and do we need more professional reviewers like Michael Jackson back in the day for beer, Jonathan Gold for food, that that actually understood these differences and didn't try and compare fucking apples with a piece of steak, which is essentially what they're doing with beer? Because Well, we don't have any shortage of people who think they're professionals at rating beer. I gotta, I'll say that. Um, We probably have more people spouting their opinion off as if it's worthwhile than ever. Um, Not this show, notwithstanding, of course, but (laughs) there's, there's a, there's a lot of people um, who have a lot of things to say about, um, about, uh, about beer. And they think they have a worthwhile opinion because they have some credential, right? We love, we, we have all kinds of new credentials for beer also, you know, whether it be Cicerone or, um, uh, or, or, or BJCP judging or whatever else that gets you some sort of like uh, leg up in the, in the, in the beer rating world. Um, I actually think it's a problem with rating overall, the way we talk about different types of uh, or classes of, of whether it be cuisine or wine or beer or whatever, you know, uh, I think it's, we, we don't, we don't comprehend style. Well, you know, we don't, we don't take into account the, um, the, uh, the, the enjoyment or the value of the moment, right? We, we compare, we go to a linea and we compare everything against a linea. A linea is four stars. So what is, uh, you know, my local taco joint is, you know, you know, negative five, even though I like it, you know, it's not a linea. Well, no shit. They're not trying to be a linea. They don't want to be a linea, you know, they're trying to be a taco place. So you have to evaluate it, uh, you know, as a taco place. Um, but, but, you know, even with food, food critics, we, uh, they tend to rate stuff on a very standard scale and a restaurant that's not trying to be a four star, uh, a three star Michelin restaurant, Maybe there's there should be a better way to evaluate that, you know, versus a, just a straight up star rating that compares it against all the best restaurants in the world. Yeah, I, I, I think you could be right there. But then the problem we get into is does the the system itself become too complex? Like I think Mich- Michelin stars are one of the most useless ratings ever invented. This is 
forget about why it was put out. I was about to go into a little bit of the history, but you're just saying according to these people with this criteria, you reach one of three levels of, of godliness and and that just isn't helpful. I, I, I would rather somebody actually explain to me why the experience is better than the local taco shop or I, I understand its value in the fact that it's simple and easy and you're looking for a good restaurant in Chicago, you find something with a Michelin star. Well, you probably can't go wrong with that, but it's it doesn't really explain much more than that. So how do you come up with a rating system that, that is both shorthand yet um, useful? Because um, certainly in beer, I don't think uh, Rate Beer and Beer Advocate do a good job either with their professional side or with their um, community-submitted stuff of actually explaining whether a beer is good or bad. Early on in my beer tasting career, I, I certainly checked that stuff out, but but now do I find it helpful? No, because you get people that have that have never tried that style and, and then just um, they have this thing in their head, they try the beer and it doesn't match up with what they have in their head and they give a beer one star. Or you get somebody totally surprised, even if it's a bad example, and giving it five stars. It's it's um it's sort of really useless within the um, beer community, beer ratings, and and that's why I I sort of haven't got you to give it um, a scale out of five, six, seven, whatever, because I don't find that useful. Are you enjoying what you're drinking? That's what I find more interesting. Is it a good example or a bad example? Is it a gloop beer or or a good version of a hazy IPA? That that's interesting. And then once I taste it, I can say that's in my top five, top ten. Good example. Yeah, it was fine, or that was fucking terrible. I I can make that call I, um, because we're all going to have different taste buds as well. well I think. Um I, I think uh, one game we're going to have to play at some point here. What we, uh, I, I need some, I'll need some writing time. I think for this is yes, so uh, uh Yep. Um, but after we do that, okay. uh, I, I was thinking we could, uh, we, we got to work out like a, um, I don't know if it's like a, uh, uh, a guessing game or like a, a, a real or fake type game or a guess the rating game or something like that. I'm sure the fans will tell us what we should play, or we'll have played three rounds of this by the time this show ever comes out. But um, I think uh, I think we could do that with untapped ratings and beer beer names and stuff like that. Like um, we could definitely uh, we could definitely play a very boring, probably game of uh, eight up beers or whatever. Um, I like so it. something to something to toss around as a a future a future exciting segment on our on our show here. So yeah, you meant you uh, you did hint that I had some travel cancelled. Um, speaking of beer, I did have some. Um, I, I would call it good news uh, because I personally am not interested in getting on an airplane even six weeks from now. Um, I don't think uh, anything is going to alter drastically in the in a positive sense in the next six weeks. Certainly, um, but. Uh, the Mikkeler beer celebration in Denmark uh, was postponed till October, um, during which time I do believe either we will be at least relatively somewhat comfortable uh, traveling again uh, for reasons of uh, immunity or, or fade away or uh, uh, treatment or something, right, or we'll have given up. 
um, and we're just like, F it, I'm going outside. Um, or uh, society will have uh, crumbled totally. So, and I might not be worried about it, to be fast. So I think postponing it was the right decision. Let, let it play out a little bit. Um, so I'm rebooking that, and it gives all of our great listeners time uh, to think about coming with. <laughs> so come on down. Uh, getting on an airplane is good and safe. And it's what people want to be thinking about and doing because um, uh, everybody feels good about being one inch from each other for eight hours on a plane. <laughs> so um, I'm sure that's at the front of everyone's mind, but uh, uh, it is going to be a great time. Uh, me and my wife went last year. It was amazing. And they just added a new thing, Tony. I did, I'm, I did not tell you this before the show. So this is something you can react to. So usually they essentially what they have is four, they have, uh, four sessions. Um, last year we just went to one session, each session, it's the same breweries, but with different beers, they have different beers for each session. Um, so, but this year we're going to two, we have tickets for, uh, uh, the yellow, which is they're, they're both the, uh, I guess I would call them morning sessions, quote unquote. They're like 10 to two, um, four hours, 10 AM to, to, to 2 PM. And, um, we're going to the yellow and the red. Those are both of the mornings. And then they added, because of the postponement, uh, trying to get everybody excited, which is going to be great, they added a all all people, everybody, all tickets can come to a kill the keg day on Sunday. So they're going to have all the kegs out, and we can all crush everything that's left. And that sounds dangerous to me, but kind of exciting. That does. So, so beers that you didn't get get an opportunity to have at the other two sessions, you may have a chance to to crush that uh, that keg at the at the next session. But uh, that, that's awesome because this, the beers that were a highlight, you can go back to as well. So they um, stuff runs out. Uh, stuff definitely runs out uh, quickly. So uh, your your very popular breweries who. I mean, I can already predict who they're going to be. It's your angry chair and bottle logic and, uh, you know, uh, the treehouse and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, those things will, will run out probably almost entirely. But some of the under, under, uh, undervalued breweries um, like Perennial, Surly, uh, even maybe Side Project if they're there, um, we could definitely see some stuff sitting around. So. Uh, and Half Acre, Half Acre here in Chicago, they were there last year. Um, they had some great beers that that kind of sat for a while. So um, I think there's, uh, I think you're exactly right. I think there's some stuff we could we could find our way back to. Some things we might have missed from past sessions. Um, we'll see how it goes. I don't know what to expect from it. Um, that that's a new addition. Um, it's a great it's a great festival. It's the best organized event beer event I've ever been to. And it's not close. I've been to a lot of shitty beer events where nobody knows what they're doing and they either pour way too much so everybody gets mega fucked up or they um, or they uh, don't have like the line situation sorted or how to deal with tickets or, or how to deal with the glasses or anything like that is planned. It's all a mess. This, these guys have it uh, down pat. So if you're ever if you're looking to run a beer event, I would recommend you go to this one first so you can kind of learn how to do it. Um, that's my promo for these guys. They don't need it. What makes a good beer event or a good beer festival? Get you in fast. Planning, variety, get you in fast? Get people into it fast. And there's no reason not to, frankly. And I've never been able to come up with a reason why we can't be in there 
sooner. Um, so, uh, what, what Mickler does is they get rid of every obstacle that could possibly arrive before the time ever starts. So when you land, so they have a bar at the airport, right? They have a, they have a, um, at the Copenhagen airport, there's a Mickler bar with like the greatest, it's the best airport bar in the world. And it won that award. Um, it has like insane bottles, insane draft list, um, normal prices. It's insane. It's nuts. Um, but at that bar, you, I mean, we got dis- distracted. there trying to leave the airport. We were there for two hours sitting <laughs> at the bar. Um, cause they had killer bottles. I was like, damn, I want some of this, but, um, they, they give you your wristband at the airport bar. So that you, you break your ticket out and they scan it and they give you your wristband to get in at the airport. So you have your wristband, you're done. You don't have to do that ticket. You, the ticket phase has ended. Um, so the next day when we went to the thing, we had our wristband on, they just look at your wristband, they hand you a cup. And the second thing to do is if you start the fest at 10, you should start the fest at 10. You don't have to wait to let people in. You know what I mean? People being in the room yeah. doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? You can be in the room and you just can't pour. You know what I mean? So let people in, right? And you might have a VIP session. That's fine. At least people get in, get people into like a holding area so that you're not. If you start scanning tickets at the start time, you're nuts. You're already effing up. Right, because you're not going to get through the people waiting for what 20, 30 minutes probably. Because right? people show up, they wanted this thing to start. Um, I'm not trying to get super fucked up at these things, but you, I mean, generally at a nice festival like this, right? You're looking for specific. You want to get to the things that you want to try, right? You want. I want to get to this stout. I want to get to this sour. You know, I have it marked usually. I, I'm, I've got my little book. I prepped with it, right? I'm a nerd, but <laughs> you want to at least have at, at least before you start developing a buzz, right? And you're going to see stuff that you didn't think of on your way, but you want to like map out your first like eight or ten uh, samples, right? Because that kind of gets you to where you're like, okay, I'm a little. My inhibitions are lowered enough that I'm not going to follow a schedule, but you want to get those like eight or 10 things that you really want, get those done. Um, and, and you just want to get in there and and get going. But if you screw that, if you screw up the beginning part of it, it's kind of hard to make it up, but those are the two biggest things that and water, just have lots of water around, um, for people to hydrate, rinse cups, things like that. Um, I think, uh, I think that's a big deal that that places can mess up too is they don't keep their they don't keep their water situation organized. And by the same token, I'm guessing toilet facilities are also a key thing at a beer. Yeah, actually, that's that's a thing that didn't wasn't as great with Mickler was their their uh, restroom situation because they have a lot, which was fine, but it rained. So um, most of the festival is indoors, almost all of it is pretty much, but a lot of their extra restroom facilities were outdoors in the rain. So everyone was like, well, I'll just use the indoor ones, but then you're waiting um, because it's busy, you know? So uh, they do it right there. I'm excited for October. Um, It's uh, certainly depressing that we won't be there in a month, but uh, I am still, uh, you know what, all things considered with the darkness in the world right now, I will take uh, a postponement for sure. Yep, but still continuing on the um, beer festival theme, how many in in an average session are you looking to 
to hit up. Well, it's like I'm not completely plastered here, but I've I've got a good buzz going on. I've tasted a good amount and I'm not confused by it. I suppose with any beer festival you're confused, but um, but what's your sort of prime number in an average four-hour session or whatever an average session in the States is? It depends. Um, if, if they're doing a standard kind of two-ounce, you know, pour, two to three ounce, we'll say, um, I can I can live with like 20 or so, you know, 20 to 25. That's what, 40 to 50 ounces, a lot of it's high alcohol, you know, and especially if I go in the daytime, which I prefer, um, that gives me time to like walk it off a little bit. I'm not totally trashed. Um, I'll probably, I will have a buzz. I wouldn't drive, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, a couple nice glasses of water, maybe a Gatorade or a coconut water or something, a chill out, watch a little TV, watch a movie or something by four or five o'clock. I can, you know, go back and hang out or do something or have dinner or whatever pretty competently, you know? Um, and that includes, I would eat at these things too. So I usually eat, especially at the Mickler one, they have awesome food. So I'm usually eating, um, which kind of gives you a little leeway if you want to have an extra couple, sneak a couple in at the end. Um, uh, if you eat something, you're probably fine. Um, but yeah, I think that's about the max for me. Um, I think last year I got to like 21 or 22. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to, you have to be willing to, I think as I've gotten older, um, and more experienced with, with these festivals, I don't care, but you know, I care less about being drunk than I did when I was 23. Uh, <laughs> now I'm, now I'm just fine to wait in the line. I'll just wait. Yeah. Like I can wait for five minutes to get a beer. Who cares? You know, what am I doing? I'm here. Uh, I don't need to be like, just get to the shortest line and, and fill me up. You know, I'm not, I'm not needing that. You know, I'll wait for the thing I want. Um, uh, it, it's, it's okay. So, you know, and then dump stuff you don't like. That's my other tip would be, ah. you know, go for those 20 or 25, but if you don't like something, get rid of it. Don't wait. Don't waste one of your 20 or 25 beers at a festival with, you know, probably 400 beers on something shitty. Dump it out. It's fine. Nobody's going to get mad, you know? So just on something shitty or, or something that's sort of middle of the road, or does it depend on the festival and the amount of beers and the amount of stuff you've got to taste? I'll dump it if I'm done with it, essentially, I guess is what I'm saying. That's you know, not a bad sort of a, In the moment, you know? Yep. Sometimes you're done with it after one sip and you say, no, I think I'm over this, you know? Um, and then sometimes you, you take a couple, you're like, oh, that's fine, you know, and then just rip it, you know? I'm, a, I'm, I'm out of it. Um, some stuff's just really good, though. Like last year I was um, just loving this IPA from this Swedish brewery called Stigbergets. And I had two of them. I was like, give me more of that, man. <laughs> I usually wouldn't go back for, for seconds, but that was a good one. If something's amazing, you will go back four seconds. Yes, I will. Um, I did that uh, t- I did that uh, twice last year because Bissell Brothers had Swish too. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get more Swish. Uh, I'm right here, you know. Um, so I don't know. I'm not a saint at these things either. You know, sometimes... I'm like, come on, fill me up. Let's let's yeah. get some more IPA going, baby. Yeah, there's a difference between throwing in the garbage can right there than than getting a real buzz on or more than a buzz on and and still being able to pull up the next day. And I don't think anybody who's a beer nerd thinks that they they're always going to come out of these things as saint. 
No, I'm not. I'm not doing the thing where I'm swishing and spitting either. You know, I'm drinking the beer. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> I, I still want. I'm still there to have some have fun and and relax and blow off some steam and all the other stuff that you do when you drink beer. You know. Um, last year I came out of it fine. I don't know how, but I I managed to get through both days without any sort of severe hangover or, or nothing. Um, and it, hell, even after our session, we um. We, we, we took a break. We, we slapped ourselves in the head a little bit and maybe took a little nap and then um, went back out and had ramen and went to a tap takeover because um, there's a million tap takeovers going on all over Copenhagen that week. So you don't want to miss that stuff either because you're like, oh, I want to go to the treehouse tap takeover. Okay, you know, we should because when are we going to be a treehouse, you know, so. Now, what's your view on tap takeovers? I'm a big fan of them. They're... When beer festivals and stuff happen, that's one of my most favourite things to do because they're unstructured. If there's something super delicious, I can go back to it. I don't have to queue um, and I know it's a really good example and it's not in that limited supply but uh, by the same token, I I can try a bunch of different stuff. Um, I I really think they're they're one of the things I look for the most at beer events and beer festivals yeah and they and they do a great job with that at this thing too so there's always a handful um i went to a great one last year with breweries i was not familiar with um oh i forget the name of it oh that's not good but there is a british brewery um that that had a um they essentially had two would have sometimes they'd have two breweries take over the list they have a 20 or 30 beer list at these bars. So they would have one take over 10 and another one take over another 10. Um, and it was like ruse, which I believe is from Oregon. Um, and they had great stuff. I'd never heard of them. Um, and, and then they had another brewery from, from Manchester UK. And I just, I am blanking on the name, but it was excellent beer. Um, they really, they really killed it. And, and I feel stupid that I can't remember their, their names or their, or the name of the brewery, but both of them were making, you know, you know it. It's uh, it was it was IPA, but they were really good, um, really really good IPAs. Uh, they were killing it, and uh, yeah, no, that was that. And then uh, Fanta Flora. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. You you like the sour and the oh yeah, they're a, they're a great um, kind of farmhouse brewery out in North Carolina. Um, they had a takeover at Mickler's farmhouse kind of facility where they're doing like all their soured and uh, wild ales and. Um, like they call them shipyard ales and stuff. Uh, it's um, that was a great takeover too. Cause Fanta Flora makes some really fun drinkable beer and a great lager too. So, yep. I love them too, Tony. Uh, tap takeovers are cool. Are there any, any out there in Australia that you've really loved? I remember years ago, you telling me about a Brooklyn one, but uh, I don't know if you've had any other good ones since then. Yeah. Mikola did one at, this is all part of Good Beer Week, which will be cancelled this year, of course, because yep. it was due to take place in, I think, May. So, yeah, Mikola had, what was it, Evil Twin? Who can tell those fuckers apart? Anyway. Oh, yeah, Evil Twin. Um, it, it was one of the, the brothers um, and they had a selection of, of eight beers Um wasn't a huge takeover, but every one of those beers was absolutely stellar. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And if, and the way the taps were set out, it sort of made sense to attack them the way they had them set out on the board. So I just ran down and and just went for like a, a what we in Australia would call, what we in Victoria would call a pot. 
Um, we have some oh, okay. <laughs> sidebar. We should have a segment called Sidebar in, in reference mm. to our former podcast. But in Australia, we have a bunch of different beer sizings. We're not like um, Britain where you would have a half pint and a pint. We have um, okay. pots, pints, um, schooners. Um, Familiar with schooners. Minis. And, and that's just in Victoria. And then another state will have a bunch of different lingos and it'll be different sizing and some of them will be called the same thing. Um, a lot of this is starting to go away and we're simplifying and going to more standardised um, beer servings. But as far as I know, we're the only country that I know of that really has the, this different lingo about different serving sizes at a normal pub. Well, the the difference here is we uh, we often name the servings after the the glass, um, so so you'll you'll have um, a shaker. They won't name it the shaker. They'll they'll say pint, whether it's a shaker or a nonic. But you know, if something comes in a tulip, it'll be you know it'll be they won't say a name for that. It'll be thirteen ounce tulip, and then it'll be eight ounce bow tie or you know six ounce snifter. Or whatever, right? It's all kind of glassware driven, which I um, like. I think that's sort of a good way of doing it. It makes sense. You understand how many ounces you're getting, and the the, the style of glass that you're getting. Exactly. Um, it, it's it's descriptive. It it helps me at least. But uh, I I do you know it's getting better. We still have a problem where places don't do uh, half pours or small pours. Um, more of them do now. It's definitely getting better, but. It was a problem for a while that they're like, well, we don't have this in our system. I'm like, you can't, you have to give me the most amount of beer. I just, you know, I'm not asking for freebies. I'm just asking to pay for less, <laughs> uh, you know, charge me $3 for a $5 pint to get half of it. That's fine with me. You know, I get it, but it, it, it it's not always, uh, not always available. Uh, Evil Twin, by the way, just as a side note, they did open a, a brewery, uh, uh, their own site, they are, they are no longer a gypsy. They they are a gypsy also. I think they brew for distribution down in South Carolina still. But um, they have a facility now in New York City. And I had one of their beers for the first time recently, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was a sour IPA, and it was really, really good. Um, not not a style of beer that probably should have ever existed, but it was uh, <laughs> like a fruited sour IPA. It was really tasty. <laughs> I really, really liked it. Um and I'm sure it had like 9,000 calories because it was just unfermented fruit chunks, but it was good. I recommend any, uh, whatever they're doing there, I recommend it. Was it headed toward a, a Gwyneth Paltrow beer? Goop? Yes, Goop. Was it Goop? Um, you know, I had I had some uh, what I've been calling Gloop uh, uh, today. Uh, and, and no, it wasn't quite there because it didn't leave nearly enough solids on the side of the cup as you're drinking it. Um, I had I had one from a brewery here called Energy City. It was tasty, um, but it was so over the top, Tony. You would have laughed your ass off at this thing. It was um, it's supposed to be like um, like a like a fruit crumble. So it had like um, granola type flavors in it with the fruit, like cinnamon brown sugar type taste, um, and it just left chunks of fruit. And it even says in the can, like, keep refrigerated. There are, there is unfermented fruit in this can. 
It literally says that on the can. Um, so you, so you, but you don't even do that with canned fruit, right? Yeah. If you buy canned fruit in the supermarket, it doesn't say keep it chilled. Otherwise, no, because there's no yeast in it, though. Because there's active. I mean, there's active yeast probably in these beers. I mean, there is. Yeah. But you just take it out of the fridge, and I'll just flip it. Um, I flip it over upside down so that it'll redistribute the solids, Um, and then you roll the can a little bit so that it'll kind of keep everything like distributed throughout the can, and it'll, uh, and then you pour it so that. you know, it doesn't all settle to the bottom. You just get a big goop chunk flying out at you. But uh, yeah, it's it's weird, man. <laughs> beer's weird. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they, these goop beers, you do what you would do with a Coopers, because I'm sure you're familiar with the. Um, it's well, I would consider it a macro beer in Australia, but it's it's the best by. Such a huge margin. I'm a big fan of Cooper's beers in general. They're nothing. Oh, sure, yeah. They're nothing crazy. But with all. I've had them. Pardon? I've had, I've had Cooper's I, years ago, years ago at a brewery or at a, at a bar in Australia or in Australia. In, in Australia? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even tell you. Yeah. Well, with their products, um, they do have cans now, but traditionally they come in bottles and you're meant to get them out of the fridge. Um, roll them to stir up the um, cake at the bottom of the bottle because they do always do a bottle or can ferment in their products and then pour it out. And that's something that they've been doing since day dot. It's a traditional thing with Coopers to roll it. And even even if you see it served on in kegs, not firkins, but in kegs, you're meant to do that as well. What that does for a keg, I'm not sure, other than stir it up. For the uh, they they roll the kegs of the of the fruity beers. I know that. I mean, uh, but wouldn't you have to do that on a consistent basis rather than just you once? would you would. It's not going to do anything for you if you're if you're just um, tapping it and leaving it for you know for six weeks. Not not that long, but two weeks in the in the fridge. It's yeah, it's not going to matter. Maybe you hope you get, get some of it out. You know, early on when you're starting to pour it. But I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a, you know, you got to get out here and or I got to ship you some gloop so that, um, <laughs> with like a ice pack, something in there so that you can, so that you can try it. Cause it's some weird, it's weird stuff, man. Well, after this whole, whole, um, world settles down a bit, cause it will one way or another. And if we're both, we've both survived the apocalypse, um, I'll either make it out there or you'll make it down here and we'll get together and have several beers and we'll, we'll swap a bit of beer culture. Exactly, and that way we can, uh, yeah, it's essentially like just flying the produce section down there. So, <laughs> uh, Other half in New York makes a lot of those too, and those are good, but they're same deal, man. It's it's chunks. Uh, it's wild. Um, cool. Well, uh, this was a solid uh, 45 minutes of beer talk, Tony. I think we have thoroughly educated our listeners. They are prepared to go on untapped and start blasting out four and a halves for prop and two and a halfs for whatever lager they're enjoying. <laughs> um, they are ready to take that Cicerone exam. Uh, we've we've given them all the background they need, and they're ready to come and hang out with me in Copenhagen in six months, gang. Let's do it. <laughs> Woo. Um, and We can't wait. And I think they can start holding their own homebrew competitions in replacement for the NHC and become your own head judge. Forget about the certification. We've given you enough knowledge today. 
you can write shit. And that is something that people are doing these days. They're holding homebrew contests. They're getting 50 people all in their house at once. Oh, delightful. Recommended by the the government (laughs) to uh, congregate in large... uh, large quantities and, and everybody shake hands and touch bottles that each other handled and things like that. So, mm. um, yeah, we all love doing that. Um, Tony, I think this was a, another, another banger. Yeah. You got any words of, uh, of beer or other wisdom to pass out to the masses here? Keep your four meters of space people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, for, for those, for those of us in the USA, that is, I don't know, that's about six feet, eight feet, maybe. Um, um, it's about four yards. A yard and a meter is yeah, close so about enough. 12, uh, it's about 12 feet. So, uh, I've been walking in the, into the middle of the street to avoid people when I walk, frankly. I uh, just literally would rather get hit by a car um, <laughs> than get within within 10 foot of, of anybody else. Um, I haven't been – I did get groceries delivered yesterday. That was a weird experience. Maybe we can talk about that in the next time sure. uh, we speak. But that was a weird uh, – that was a really interesting um, – time in my life and I did give the lady who did it a absurd amount of money without knowing how much it was worth. <laughs> um, so whatever, I got food now though. Um, all right, gang. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, make sure you check us out in all the appropriate places, uh, wherever those are. Um, just check on the post. I don't know where this post says. You'll probably see wherever our Twitter is or whatever. Um, we'll do it live to quote Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, we're doing it live, gang. Uh, This is live to me.